Thanks for listening to this podcast of Trending with Timory from the Relevant Radio app. Anything you share in terms of episodes, whether it's texting it to a friend, posting on social media, helps to build up the kingdom for God to help confront the challenging issues we face as a culture, but with joy, with hope, and with an eternal perspective where our faith collides with everyday life, bringing eternal principles to help us live our life joyfully. So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio. Here's a new story that's being suppressed. A couple weeks ago, a six-foot-tall man with facial hair was allowed to play against a high school girls' basketball team. And... Before they even reached halftime, three girls were taken off the court with serious injuries. One of whom, there are actually videos of it, couldn't even get up off of the ground after the video of this six-foot-tall man wrestling the ball out of her arms to score the point, leaving her on the floor, briefly kind of acting as if he's trying to help her up, and then walking away as many people show up on the court to try and help this girl who literally can't get up. My jaw's dropping over what's happening right now when it comes to women's sports. And here we are, as if no no big deal is occurring. Will Thomas, who calls himself Leah Thomas, who placed, I think, even lower than 500th when he competed as a man, is now about to try out for the Olympics in June. We'll see what will happen on that front. I'll actually include a link in the episode notes to the latest legal action he's taking to try and change the rules that currently don't allow him to compete in the Olympics because you have to go through a female puberty or or even you can't go through a male puberty in order to compete in the Olympics. So a lot to be said there, depending on which team you want to play for. I have it all in one of my prior episodes, but we'll dive a little bit more into that in just a little bit. And chest feeding, we made a joke about it nearly oh goodness, nine years ago here on Trending about how the politically correct term to use isn't nursing or breastfeeding, but it's chest feeding because, you know, men can nurse too. And not to mention that, you have other ones out there such as glucose guardian. You can't say sugar mama or sugar daddy or any of those terms anymore. Everything has to be neutral. So much so that girls can get hurt and men can hit women and it not be a big deal. This is what we'll dive into a little later on here in the show. Joining me today in just a moment is Father Robert Spitzer. He's the president of the Magis Center and the author of countless books. He released a new book called Science, Reason, and Faith, Discovering the Bible. And we're taking up a couple neat questions surrounding science and faith and unpacking sacred scripture. Today, one of the questions I hear many people have, or comments more so, is, well, if there were miracles occurring today, like there were at the time of Jesus and the apostles, well, then sure, I'd be Catholic, or sure, I'd take my faith more seriously. But are there? Are there miracles today, such as those performed at the time of Jesus and the apostles? Well, stay tuned. We'll dive into that question. Also now is the question of our faith and how reasonable it is. Joining me now is Father Robert Spitzer. Father Spitzer, welcome back to Trending. Oh, thanks so much, Timory. Always great to be back with you. 
I was excited <clears throat> to hear about your new book. I've not read it yet. It's called Science, Reason, and Faith, Discovering the Bible. And one of the topics you take up in relation to sacred scripture and science is whether or not there is a rational and scientific evidence for human freedom. You make the case in the book. Can we dive in? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, first, um, you know, the, the thought is, is can, can a case be made um, to show that uh, in Genesis and, of course, in the New Testament, all these appeals to freedom are correct? And um, the answer is absolutely you can. Um, uh, the, the first thing to, to recognize is if we're going to be pulled out of the straits of determinism, um, and determinism is just another way of saying we're not free, right? If we're going to be pulled out of this perspective, which a lot of academics hold, right, that we're caught up basically in stimulus mm -hmm. response reactions, in mere physical processes and structures. And so because we are, we'll never get ourselves free of them. Um, the only, uh, we just have to admit it, like B.F. Skinner, right, we're simply beyond freedom and dignity, or better, freedom and dignity are beyond us. Now, you look at that for a second and you just say, but wait a minute, if you really did have a soul, if you really did have transcendental desires for perfect truth, love, goodness, beauty, and home, and you actually were aware of what perfect truth, love, goodness, beauty, and home might be like, if you really did have a conscience or some form of um, you know, divine uh, obligation, um, divine inspiration was present to you that was guiding you, if you really did um, have a... Uh, um, you know, what we call the numinous, an interior experience of God within you, then you would be completely free from the stimulus response reactions, <clears throat> completely free from mere physical processes and structures, and you would not be caught up at all in determinism. You would actually be able to reach beyond determinism. You'd be able to reach into the transcendent, See, it is your soul, your soul that has the capacity for self-consciousness, your soul that has this capacity for rational, uh, conceptual ideas, the, your, your soul that is capable of being aware of perfect truth, love, goodness, beauty, and, and being your soul that, you know, as it were, is the home of your conscience, where you're getting inspiration from God on how to be moral. It is your soul uh, that basically is recognizing God when he comes to you in what is technically called the numinous experience, right? When you're getting an interior awareness of what is fundamentally mysterious and fascinating, transcendent and spiritual and transformative, mm -hmm. <clears throat> almost inviting you into itself, right? When you get that sense that you are being moved uh, spiritually. Now, if you really do have such a soul, then and you really have a rational capability to ask a question, then you can always say, in the middle of stimulus-response reactions, you can always say, do I just want to follow these stimulus-response reactions that lead me to the most advantageous biological end, that lead me to... Um, you know, seek pleasure and avoid pain. Uh, you know, do I really want to follow that? Or 
or do I want to reach out for something more, something more moral, Mm -hmm. something more transcendent? Do I really want to do, you know, the, just the, the, the basic follow my uh, sensorial and egotistical desires, or do I want to do the good? Because, you know, if I do have an awareness of the good, if I do have an awareness of specific goods in my conscience, if I really do have an awareness, do I want to act for God? Do I want to act for God's will? If I really do have an understanding of um, these things, these transcendent mysteries, and I really do have a rational um, intellect that's capable of asking questions intelligently and reflecting on them, which I, we can establish with all the rational evidence in the world. If you really have those three powers, if you've got a rational consciousness to ask questions, if you've got self-consciousness um, to, uh, uh, to perceive yourself uh, in any action that you might consider, and if you really do have an awareness of perfect truth, love, goodness, beauty, and home, and awareness of God and God's will, and awareness uh, through your conscience of what God desires, you can pull yourself out of any stimulus response process. You can pull yourself out of any mere physical determinism, because in the moment you ask that question, oh, do I just want to follow my instincts? Do I just want to follow... Um, you know, my sensorial desires? Do I just want to follow uh, my base egotistical, you know, uh, advantages uh, that I can get in my life? Or do I want to do God's will? Do I want to do the right thing? Do I want to do the good? Do I want to act for the higher purpose in, in truth, love, goodness, beauty, and home? Do I really, uh, what, what do I want to do? And I have the capacity to will the higher um, uh um, uh, you know, desires uh, to will them into being into action, then uh, I, I can be free. And so, what I do in in my books, uh, especially Science at the Doorstep to God, and this other book, Science, Reason, and Faith: Discovering the Bible, is I show exactly why we have all these powers, these three powers. We are self-conscious. We do have a rational intellect that's capable of asking questions. And then, of course, answering those questions intelligently and reflectively. And we really do have an awareness of perfect truth, love, goodness, beauty, and hope. A real awareness in our conscience of what God wills. A real awareness of God himself in the numinous. And that, of course, if we really have those things, we are really free. And, of course, if you start off believing you're just a bunch of molecules and atoms, fine. You're going to wind up in determinism. But if you really start off and say, let's examine the evidence, the really good evidence for a soul, like near-death experiences that we've talked uh, about on the program before, mm-hmm. or let's talk about um, you know, our uh, capacity uh, for self-consciousness, etc. If we really have all of these uh, powers, man, can we transcend mm-hmm. uh, the physical processing structure? Can we transcend stimulus response okay. desires? Yeah. We can be very free, moral, uh, moral and loving and transcendent beings that not only transcend um, stimulus response, but can attach ourselves to the will of God as if it were our own. Mm. And that freedom is everything. That's what uh, you know, freedom means. You can also, it's, by the way, show other animals simply don't have 
these powers. And we can talk about that if you wish. Mm. And when you're mentioning determinism, isn't that at the core of how we're seeing policies, laws, medicine, everything set out today? Because if you believe in determinism, that sets a very pessimistic viewpoint of the human person. It determines the way we will settle on whether or not someone's culpable for a crime, whether or not someone should be able to recover from an illness. And there's so much there in this idea of determinism and really squashing it with the truth of the human person that isn't, it isn't just some Catholic idea. God himself is the blueprint. He created the blueprint for the human person. So when you mention those three right. powers that I think are so significant, I just want to reiterate them, Father Spitzer. And if you're just yeah. joining me now, it's Father Robert Spitzer, the president of the Magis Center and the author of countless books, including the latest one we're discussing, Science, Reason, and Faith, Discovering the Bible. Those three powers of rationalism, the intellect, that we can come to know something, self-consciousness, mm-hmm. that we can be aware of ourselves and then that awareness of truth, beauty, and goodness and our freedom to pursue after that. It's, I think, transformative. And especially right now, as we're in the thick of the Lenten season, we're looking out at policies and normalcy Uh today that isn't quite normal. I mean, even just later on, we'll dive into the sports teams and a story that's being buried in the media right now. Three girls were injured on a basketball team last week by a six foot tall man with facial hair. And yet, People are saying that's no big deal, but I think it does come back to this whole idea. Can we be self-aware? Can we pursue after truth? Because if we can't, then what's the big deal with a man being on a woman's sports team and even injuring them? I mean, this is what's at, I think, the heart of the question surrounding the human person and free will today. Because at the end of the day, if we don't have truth and free will, then everything is relative and there's no self-determination at all. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you really look at the history of philosophy, right, uh, the, the real determinists like Hob, Hobbes excuse me, and Machiavelli, they always, they, at the end of the day, they had to say one thing. You have to control people from the outside. Since human beings don't really have freedom, since they really don't know right from wrong, indeed, if there even is a right from wrong, the best thing we can do is put together a series of external power structures that will regulate people, force them to do the bidding uh, you know, of the power at hand, and that's the best we'll be able to do. And so, of course, Machiavelli put all the power into the hands of the, pr- uh, of the prince and let him do what he needs to do to keep order. best we can do is just keep social order, and it doesn't matter whether you're content or not content whether you have freedom or you don't have freedom, it really doesn't matter because, of course, they don't believe in any of this anyway. So the best thing is just keep the order. And the best way of keeping the order, since people can't do that for themselves, since they're incapable of real moral actions, real transcendent self-conscious actions, since they're incapable of, of real sincere love, hey, they can't regulate themselves. So give the power to the prince. Give the power to the government and let them take charge. And by the way, the prince can do anything he wants to maintain that power Mm -hmm. because order is the name of the game, and that's the only thing we can shoot for because there's nothing in human beings that can transcend 
physical processes and structures, stimulus and response reactions. And are we looking at that today in today's government? Of course we are. We're just getting uh, people in government that just try more and more and more to vest the power in a few individuals in a governing body because there's absolutely no belief that we truly have freedom. We are truly oriented toward good ideals, toward loving ideals. And above all, they don't believe in God. They really don't believe that there is a transcendent mystery that is guiding and helping us through our faith into an eternal life that goes far beyond this world. And so all their faith is in the government or in some kind of corrupt social ideology that only reflects one one hundredth of the human reality, forgetting the transcendent, the moral, the empathetic, the loving reality of the person, which is everything to a person who's conscious of who he really is and his freedom or freedom. Isn't it interesting, though, Father, that today we're seeing scientists and these brilliant minds who don't know God, unfortunately, who are trying to create a transcendent dimension to the human person with everything from transhumanism to artificial intelligence. I mean, they're trying to create a God who can implement population control and control the population at the end of the day. And it's fascinating that because there's this Machiavellian mindset that the government is the governing entity, people are not subscribing to that. And they're saying, well, let's create our own governing entity. And that will be artificial intelligence. And the only way you will have a heightened sense of being is if you enter into the grid, if you enter into the metaverse, if you enter into computer chipping and all of these technological advancements today. All you have to do, Timory, is give up your freedom. All you have to do is consign your freedom over to those benevolent government officials who, of course, have your best interest in mind. They can make the most intelligent decisions for you. And then after you've consigned your freedom to them, then, of course, the machine will move forward and truly you will be caught in the matrix. And where are you going to go once you've abandoned God, abandoned your freedom, and and literally consigned all of the things that really matter to a government who could care less about you, nor has even the capacity to recognize your transcendence and freedom. It's a recipe for complete annihilation of the human spirit. And yet people don't realize how... how easy it is to make that jump just with all the technological advancements and even in the last six months and a year the research that's been published for a couple years and then what's coming out in the open today it's almost as if blinders and it's part of human nature we put blinders on when we're uncomfortable with things we become angry when we dislike what people are saying even if it's true and all of this what you're saying with these scientific proofs in your book with regard to our faith the transcendence of the human person it touches on the very crisis today of technological advancements and how we will or won't interact with them. Oh, yeah. I mean, what it just works backwards. Hey, when you give up God, you're basically giving up your freedom because God, the transcendent itself, is what releases you from the bondage of stimulus and response desires. 
Now, if you give up your freedom because you don't believe you have any freedom, then, of course, don't worry. So easy. Just give it over to the government. Give it over to some Machiavel who's going to sit there and, uh, and uh, you know, crush your spirit underneath his. I mean, you know, the, the first step that every government has to make to become totalitarian is they have to get you to get rid of God. And mm-hmm. after they get rid of God, then you have to get rid of your freedom because, of course, there's no basis for it anymore. And then, of course, silly morality. Everything is beyond good and evil. The government could just make the most prudent decision for you. And if you conform and you have all the right pronouns and all the right language, hey, you too can become free through the governmental decision-making process. You know, in other words, you can sign yourself over to the Matrix if you saw that movie. I mean, that's basically the the whole point. And so um, I'm telling you, God, morality, freedom, you you throw them all away. What do you have left? Why? A good social unit that uh, will really help you out and will really give you a, a sense of what really matters in life, namely what the government wants. Good luck. Not going to be there uh, much there for you. Uh, at the end of the day, you can become a slave to the totalitarian regime. And don't think we're not incapable of totalitarianism in this country. My gosh, <laughs> just look at what's going on. I was going to say, I don't know that we're not there. I don't know that we're yeah. not there. And this isn't hopeless, though. And if you're listening to this and you're hearing the conversation, the hope is what you just said, Father. God liberates you from your stimulus response and desires. And that is profound for us to know, understand, and embrace that God truly does liberate us from what we experience and what we want in our human flesh and what we're capable of in Jesus Christ. And that that is freedom there and that we have to continue to fight for it and preserve it. That's Father Robert Spencer here on Trending. I'm linking to some of the past episodes we've done, including where we talk about the proof for the human soul, which we referenced just a moment ago. But let's come back with Father Spencer. You can catch him at CredibleCatholic.com. That's CredibleCatholic.com. If you have a question, our toll-free line is 888 914 9149 and it's sponsored by Catholic Order of Foresters Life Insurance. And the question coming back is, are there miracles today like those of Jesus and the Apostles? I know some who say they would actually be Catholic today if they knew there were miracles as such today. Are there any? We're talking about what you're thinking about. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I've actually heard this statement a few times before. If there were miracles today, such as there were at the time of Jesus and the apostles, well, then I'd be Catholic, or I'd go back to church, or... I'd stop sinning. Everything would change. But what's startling and interesting to me is that do we not recognize miracles all around us today? Are we in the circles of people to be aware of miracles? 
Are there miracles today like those of Jesus and the apostles? Father Robert Spitzer, the president of the Maja Center and the author of countless books, including his latest Science, Reason, and Faith, Discovering the Bible, takes on this specific question. You can find him at his, and his work at magiscenter.com. That's M-A-G-I-S center.com. Father Spitzer, in your book, you dive into this issue. Now, I'm mm-hmm. always intrigued by friends, sometimes family members, who use this and weaponize this argument to be the justification for why they're not practicing their faith at all. And yet there's a huge, I think, amount of ignorance on the part of this. Mm -hmm. And I'd love to hear what you go into in your latest book. Right. So um, in Science, Reason, and Faith, Discovering the Bible, what I was trying to do is you know, show them that, hey, Jesus did, of course, um, uh, you know, give his disciples the power of the Holy Spirit to perform miracles in his name. And that probably explains why the Christian church, along with, of course, the preaching of the resurrection, why the Christian church, after the death of them, their Messiah, um, uh, instead of dying away within six months, like all other Messianic movements, where the Messiah was uh, persecuted, the Christian church exponentially grows over continuously over two centuries and finally becomes the dominant religion in the very empire that persecuted it. I mean, like in 200 years, uh, this requires an explanation. And the explanation to me is the one that so many scriptural exegetes say that Christian church was prolifically performing miracles in the name of Jesus. And of course, the, the, the subtext of all of that is, hey, you know, if you're sitting there watching a miracle in the first century and hear this guy saying, in the name of Jesus, uh, get up, uh, or in the name of Jesus, be cured. And the next thing you know, that person is cured. Uh, they lost their, they're, they're seeing again. They're, 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 uh, they were raised to new life. In the name of Jesus, you'd have to think to yourself, well, if they're lying about Jesus, why would God be performing these extraordinary miracles in the name of Jesus if they're lying about him? I mean, obviously, that just doesn't make any sense. And so they would say, yeah, I'm turning to Jesus. And that that's why they, they were able to exponentially grow, even though, of course, people say, ah, there's a resurrection didn't happen. And the apostles would say, well, we're going to do the next uh, rising uh, uh, of this uh, little girl here to, to, to new life, um, and, uh, and we're going to cure this blind guy right now. And uh, the next thing you know, people see an instantaneous cure or a rising to life, and they just all of a sudden, they know. They know that uh, Jesus is there. So you're right, Timory. A lot of people have that question. Well, wait a minute. If I could just see some of that today. I mean, I'd have no problem in the first century if that was really going on, but it's surely not going on today. So first I'm going to split this into two parts. There are the miracles that have been validated by, uh, in some way by science, and there are miracles that happen all the time that have not been validated uh, by science. And, of course, I know a whole lot of them. Uh, from personal testimonies in my own life of people who really have received it. Uh, by the way, I think the reason that 76% of doctors, 76, that's over three quarters of the of physicians believe in God or a higher transcendent power. Only 12.5 are agnostics and 11.2% are um, atheists. Why is that? And by the way, 
why do 74% of physicians believe in miracles past and present? Because they see those miracles, naturalistically inexplicable events in their own practices, sometimes one or two a year. It's so hard to deny. So I just want to say there's just a lot of miracles out there and a lot of doctors know them. But let's just go back to the matter at hand. Are there scientifically, um, you know, validated uh, miracles, those that have been seriously investigated by science and found to be inexplicable? The answer is yes, thousands of them. Let me just go to Lourdes and then go to our ordinary, uh, you know, um, uh, we have protocols in place for the canonization uh, and the beatification of saints. Mm-hmm. So let me just uh, back up for just a moment. Let's talk about Lourdes. As you know, in 1851, there was, uh, of course, a Bernadette Subiru. Um, you know, she uh, discovers, she didn't discover the spring. She says the lady told her that the spring was there. Nobody who had discovered it for hundreds and hundreds of years. Suddenly they dig a hole where the thing is. Uh, it turns out that there's a spring that gives off huge amounts of of, of water and the water is curative. And so um, they started uh, because the, the number of miracles at Lourdes were so prolific, they started basically what was called at that time um, the Lourdes uh, Medical uh, Bureau. Today it's uh, the Lourdes um, Bureau of Medical Investigation. But w- whatever the case is, is you can um, pretty much see that many of these miracles have been validated. And I just want to, uh, first of all, how many uh, would be in the uh, Lourdes Medical Bureau? 7,000 have been investigated wow. um, in the Lourdes Medical Bureau. And um, and you look at that 7,000 miracles, and um, uh, many of them are completely naturalistically inexplicable. But in order to be considered, you would actually have to have all of your files and your physician testimonies that you were blind or you had, um, you know, uh, uh, maybe a, a tubercular peritonitis with huge, you know, solid masses and fluids, uh, you know, in a, a distended abdomen, or that you were on the verge of death, or that you had a, re, you know, um, uh, basically a, 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 a severing of nerves and uh, tissue or severing of bone, etc. And then suddenly, instantaneously, all of that bone, the nerves, uh, the muscle was regenerated instantaneously after failure upon failure to do so in the past. And then you have all the, the, um, the follow-up work that has to be done at least for 10 to 15 years after the miracle to make sure that it was a permanent cure. Okay, so you got about 7,000 of those babies uh, right there, and you can actually, now 70 are official that are beyond any question naturalistically inexplicable. And from, you know, uh, you know, from, you know, people are still trying to consider, um, you know, uh, maybe I had a, a, such a, a keen desire to be healed that I actually did this by my mental stroke, but mm-hmm. even those capacities have been uh, eliminated, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So you got about 7,000 of these miracles. What's the real number, though, that have taken place at Lourdes? It's between five to 10 times as many. In other words, 35,000 
to 70,000 miracles have occurred. That is to say, people who had abandoned all hope, they basically went to Lourdes, they got a miracle. Well, why don't they go to the Lourdes Medical Commission? Well, because when they go to the Lourdes Medical Commission to report that they had a miracle, they say, okay, now give all your physician testimonies, and we need to see all the x-rays and all the medical exams and all the tests from those medical exams over the last 10 years, and then we need to follow you up uh, for a program uh, from 10 to 15 years from now. These people go, I just want to take my (laughs) miracle and go home. I don't want to go through all this stuff. And so they don't. And so what we're missing, I mean, you say, well, there's only 7,000, and Lourdes has been around since 1851. Oh, no, there's like somewhere between 35,000 to 70,000. And, you know, miracles, they do happen all the time at Lourdes. I know two of them, uh, you know, and both of these ladies uh, who were cured, um, they just didn't want to go through the hassle. Uh, they just want to go home. But uh, really fascinating stories of people who just had irreversible uh, uh, mm-hmm. difficulties and, and were cured. And I don't have to tell you, they're like Alexis Carroll, um, you know, this is, here's a Nobel Prize winning um, a, a physician discovered, right, the, uh, the um, uh, you know, t- t- just how to do what's called a surgery of, of arteries and veins, right? Um, he, he discovered the technique we still use today. Anyway, so this guy, before he is famous and so forth, he's at the, um, the medical school of Lyon in France. And because he, he actually witnessed Marie Bailey, right, where they poured um, uh, Lord's water on her abdomen three times, she had a completely distended abdomen with, you know, a, a solid masses and fluids. She was moments uh-huh. away from death. Her blood pressure was out of control, et cetera, et cetera. They pour this water on her three times. There's not even a remnant of a solid mass or fluid that's left over. Alexis Carroll is sitting there, and he's witnessing this whole thing, and he writes it up. And, of course, the Leon faculty say, hey, Alexis, uh, hey, man, you, you got to get an idea here. You can't be uh, going around talking about miracles here and remain on this faculty. So I didn't say it was a miracle definitively. I just said there was a possibility of a miracle. This is completely naturalistically beyond my capability to explain. And, of course, they fire good old Alexis Carroll from the Lyon Medical School. So what does he do? He goes to the Rockefeller um, Hospital in New York City. And they say, oh, you look like an intelligent lad. Why don't you go ahead and do all this research into uh, um, uh, artery and and, and vein uh, surgery? Of course... He wins the Nobel Prize uh, for one of the most important discoveries ever. And the University of Medical School at Lyon gets the distinction of being the only medical school to have outright fired a future Nobel Prize winner. And for what reason? He just acknowledged the possibility of a miracle he had witnessed. So I'm just, uh, the reason I tell that story is because it's ridiculous the extent to which the secular society wants to hide these things. Mm-hmm. And, of course, uh, Alexis Carroll didn't care. He just won a, won a Nobel Prize at another medical school. So the, the, the point that I'm trying to get to is uh, I, if you go, I have a new book coming out from Ignatius uh, coming out in uh, August called Science at the Doorstep to Christ. I have all these described, but I do have a summary of them 
in Science, Reason, and Faith, Discovering the Bible, my new book. But the main thing is that Lourdes is just the tip of the iceberg. Eh, 35,000, 70,000 scientifically, I mean, um, uh, 7,000 scientifically investigated miracles, but more along the lines of 35 to 70,000, um, you know, naturalistically inexplicable events that have taken place. Okay, now we can go to just the process of canonization. So yes. let's say, you know, over, over the course of, you know, the la- uh, last three popes, that would be, you know, Pope, that's St. John Paul II, Pope Benedict, and Pope Francis. We probably have somewhere in the neighborhood of a, um, more than a thousand eight people beatified and canonized. For every single one of those people, right, that 1,800 um, people, uh, you know, prospective saints, a scientific commission has to be established in the local diocese. And the scientific investigation has to include, I mean, you should see these booklets that they have to submit with all of the records, all of the testimonies of the various physicians involved, all of the x-rays, all of the uh, before and after tests, et cetera, et cetera. Big, thick book, right? Hundreds of pages long. This thing gets submitted um, to a, uh, a commission in Rome where their scientists make sure that the scientists in the local diocese were doing this thing right, make sure, of course, that uh, these people are truly uh, living um, venerable and, and, and holy lives. But at the same time, every one of them is scientifically investigated, and you have to have a unanimous vote from the mm. committee uh, on the diocesan level. So, I mean, what are we talking about here? Uh, <laughs> if you can get this kind of testimony, uh, not just for 1,800 uh, people, but for um, an additional group of people who actually were fully canonized, let's just say this. We've got thousands of scientifically investigated miracles that come out of there. If you want to go to um, this book or uh, just go to um, uh, my website, modjacenter.com, uh, you can actually see uh, how to um, go into each of these things and how to investigate these kinds of miracles. I didn't even touch on Eucharistic miracles. I didn't even touch on a variety of other, um, you know, uh, scientifically investigated miracles that have come out. But Lourdes and the process of canonization alone show, I mean, there are tens of thousands of scientifically investigated miracles out there. So, um, and uh, they're not saying that they didn't happen. They're saying they happen. So uh, do a little investigation or go to yes, com yes. or get Science, Reason, and Faith, Discovering the Bible, and you can get a, um, you know, an insight into what's happening. We're posting a link to magiscenter.com. That's M-A-G-I-S center.com. And if you haven't witnessed a miracle in your own life, start asking people. And you mentioned, Father Spitzer, that you've witnessed miracles in your own life with people. I can think of my own. Father Rocky often says, start keeping an account of those miracles you experience because it's important that you're able to share and tell those stories of the miraculous, of God's transforming and healing love and hope, and how inspiring that can be for many people. That's from Father Robert Spitzer here on Trending. Find him at magiscenter.com. That's M-A-G-I-S Center com and his new book science reason and faith discovering the bible thank you for being with us father spitzer i'll be right back with the latest news that's being covered up about a man six feet tall playing against teenage girls 
and wounding three before the halftime, leading to the forfeit of the basketball game. More in just a moment. We're talking about what you're thinking about. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. This shouldn't surprise me, but it does. It does, over and over again. There is a video circulating of this. So if you want to see the video, we're going to post it on social media. A six-foot-tall man with facial hair was allowed to play girls basketball against Lowell Collegiate Charter High School in Massachusetts. The coach had to forfeit the game after three girls were badly wounded playing against this young man. Again, a six-foot-tall young man. He was playing for Kip Academy in Massachusetts, and he injured three girls before halftime. And one of those injuries is there are photos documenting a lot of this and video. that One of the injuries, the last injury, he wrestles the ball out of her hands, knocks her down. She could not even get up off of the court. For a brief moment after he scores the play, he kind of like reaches out to try and help her. She was in such pain she couldn't even notice that he was helping her. And then he just walks off, isn't even staring there caring that she's seriously wounded. He wounded three girls that day. Now, officials for Kip Academy are refusing to confirm the player's, quote, gender identification. Everyone knows he had facial hair. He was there on the court. Now, the girl who was so badly injured could not get up off the ground. She was literally just, I mean, trying to move along on the court ground to get to the side. And the game was paused at that point. But my hands are just being thrown up as their press releases here and there being thrown out. Massachusetts Interscholastic Athletic Association has a handbook. And every statement so far keeps referencing the handbook. And the handbook goes as such. A student shall not be excluded from participation on a gender-specific sports team that is consistent with a student's bona fide gender identity. Are you kidding me? At what point is it not only not fair? In the case of competitors such as Riley Gaines, Paula Scanlon, and many others, at what point is it not just scandalous that men are stripping down in front of women or ogling at women while they strip down because they've been allowed, because of so-called inclusion and diversity, to go into women's locker rooms, the most private areas, not just for adult women, but for minors as well. And at what point is it enough to say that women, young girls, shouldn't be injured on the basketball court? I'm astounded that these are the stories we're hearing today, and this story is being squashed. I just happened to stumble across it on the right news platform that actually covers what's really going on in the world, because you are not hearing stories such as these that are happening more and more frequently about overnight weekend trips for middle school kids 
who are going to learn about our great nation's capital and who are going to learn about the history of the founding of the country. And they're being asked to sleep with little boys in the same, not just room, but the same bed, sharing the same bathroom. Parents aren't being informed. Kids aren't being informed. Kids are having to call home uncomfortable with the situation. When is it enough? And then there's this story. And I can't believe it. This has been so about nine years ago. I remember discussing terms that we just had to laugh at. Politically correct terms that were being thrown out there that really just give me a huge, it's it's a lark at the end of the day. For example, you're not supposed to say sugar mommy or sugar daddy, any of those things. You're supposed to say glucose guardian because that's politically correct. Because a woman could be a sugar mama, not just a sugar daddy. So let's just be gender neutral, not be sexist. Just say glucose guardian. And then... There was the, you can no longer say nursing or breastfeeding. You have to say chest feeding. Now, this was when pro-LGBTQ activists were throwing this language out there. And some people like myself were kind of just laughing at it, how silly it is. But then you had places such as the University of Sussex Hospital being one of the first to start adopting some of this gender-neutral language. They were one of the first places to actually use chest feeding and one of the first places to use the words birthing parent instead of birthing mom, birth mom. Now, here's a new one. You may have seen some of the headlines this last week that the NHS trust, which I was really intrigued by this because a lot of the mainstream articles just say NHS trust. And it's interesting because they're intentionally misleading you as if it's the National Health Institute or something. It's the NHS Trust is the University of Sussex Hospital and their medical school who over the last few years have mentioned on a handful of times under the medical director, Dr. Rachel James, she cited a 2022 study that claimed that there are no observable side effects to artificially induced men's milk to feed babies. That's right, biological men's milk. If you didn't know, a man can be pumped with various hormones, chemicals, all kinds of things, and he can produce milk. And this isn't anything like hugely surprising. When hormones are that off, the body can do things that wouldn't normally do. We can artificially simulate many things today. And one of those things that can be done is to cause men to lactate. Now, I don't know how well and for how long this can go on a particular case. That's research for another day that I'm just really not interested in doing. But here's what happened. Dr. Rachel James at the University of Sussex Hospital started citing this study, which, by the way, has been universally rejected by experts. It's only people such as Dr. Rachel James at the University of Sussex Hospital who wants to use transgender ideology to tell a lie. Can nothing be left for women today? And these were things that we were laughing about 10 years ago when the ideology seemed so strong that you had to start saying things such as glucose guardian instead of sugar daddy or chest feeding instead of breastfeeding. 
But here is the deal. Can nothing be left for women? This was the same question that was being asked of for men at the onslaught of the feminist movement. Could nothing be left for men? Are there no sacred spaces for men still? It's different today because we're trying to change the very biochemical definition of women and men. We're artificially enhancing and seemingly creating this false reality. And at the end of the day, it really is women who are suffering. Women who have to neuter their bodies to be like men with hormonal contraception, abortion, sterilization. It's now women who are being written off and degraded by saying the gift of the female body is interchangeable. The truth of the matter is, is that I do believe in equality, but equality and dignity. Kids need the truth. Two plus two equals four, but so does one plus three. Men and women may be equal in dignity, but different in execution, different in gifts. It's not hatred or bigotry bigotry to call out this for artificial simulation. It's similar to living in the clouds, trying to live in the metaverse, creating a false reality. There are movies about this, such as The Truman Show. People love that film. The philosophical ideologies today are my truth is my truth and yours is yours. But as St. Paul points out, when we turn our backs on our creator, the creature becomes unintelligible. We're more human when we embrace the reality of the human person and that the natural course of what God has in store for the human body and embrace those differences and gifts rather than artificially simulate a different reality because we want to.